Hello, hello. Hey, everybody. Our guest today has been to over 50 countries. He's dived deep into cultures, getting to know local culture, local cuisine, the people, and their drink. He's also the host of Lost Expat, a YouTube channel dedicated to travel. He's got tens of thousands of followers. We're here to talk a little bit about that, uh, as well as a little bit about what's going on with the coronavirus. Let's give it up for my friend, Bert Diggs. My name is Brian Shinborn. I'm an explorer of people, places, and culture. In my travels spanning over 20 countries across four continents, I've had the pleasure of engaging in authentic conversations with amazingly interesting people. These are their stories, on location and unfiltered. Presented by 8B Media, this is Half the City. Cheers. First of all, Cheers. Let's get that day drinking in. (laughs) Gotta get a beer in while we're having this uh, Corona lockdown time. Dude, it's it's crazy, man. It it makes sense that everybody's talking about it. It's the only thing that anybody can talk about. But I think like, you know, it's nice to get a little bit of a break and kind of talk about other things too, right? You know, like, so just, you know, so for the listeners at home, you know, I'm I'm in LA. Uh, Bert's currently in San Diego. Although we met each other uh, back in Beijing, oddly enough during our times there. How did we meet? I'm just trying to, <laughs> I'm just trying to remember that. Cause I, I remember it was a pretty funny story, but uh, the way we met was we were both sitting. I was sitting behind you on the, I was sitting behind you on the train in Beijing, going to the airport. We were both heading to the airport. That's right. Airport express. Airport express. And I was talking to this girl that was sitting next to me, apparently that like, I was just kind of chatting her up, you know, hitting on her in a kind of way in Chinese. You were, you were kind of like looking at me like, how's he doing? He's going, he's going good. <laughs> and then after the girl got off the train, we started talking about you know, how we like living in Beijing and how easy it is to make friends and, you know, talk to girls. And it's That's just really right. Good experience overall. No, like, you're right. I remember that now. Like, because I was sitting there, just kind of minding my own business. I don't, I don't remember where I was going. I was going somewhere, but uh, doesn't matter. But uh, I was sitting there minding my own business, and I saw this girl being talked to, and I saw her responding and stuff. And I heard like Western Chinese, right? Like yeah. non-native Chinese speakers saying like "ni hao" and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I was telling her, and that's like, you have a boyfriend, you're right. beautiful. And yep. like, that's how I always talk to the girls, you know, that, that's how it works, man. You know, yeah. I mean, Chinese people are very, uh, at least in my experience, like you said, they're very, it's very easy to make friends. You know, they're very warm. Uh, they like to work hard, but they like to party too. They're very appreciative if you come and enjoy their culture and their country. And if you even make like the slightest attempt at trying to learn their language, it goes like miles. It really helps a lot when you're meeting the local Chinese. If you can speak even, you know, a bit of Chinese, you know, 30 different sentences very fluently mm-hmm. and understand 60 sentences or 80 sentences or just even 200, 300 words. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's all mm-hmm. helpful when you live in China. Yep. That's for sure. Absolutely. And just, you know, I, I kind of segued really quickly away from the coronavirus stuff. And don't, we will get back to that. I know, I know Bird's got some stuff he wants to talk about. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about right there. Cheers, man. Oh yeah. Just casual beers. 
Um, but, you know, we'll get back to some of that coronavirus stuff as well, because, um, you know, Britt's got a pretty unique perspective on it um, based on his experiences. Um, but I want to kind of cover some of those things first, right? Like, you know, uh, tell me about, like, how long were you in China? I mean, among other places, like, I want to talk about some of these other spots too, but like, how long were you in China? And like, what was, you know, what were you doing there? What was your overall experience? So right when I got into China, it was January 14th and coronavirus was still just kind of an up and coming topic for Wuhan. We knew that Wuhan had a couple mm-hmm. hundred cases possibly, and they didn't know no one knew exactly how bad it was mm-hmm. until 22nd or 21st. I think it was 23rd. They locked up Wuhan um, mm-hmm. and closed it down. They didn't close the flights like exiting Wuhan, going to other countries, but they locked the country up just to contain the virus. Right. I think they didn't know that it was so bad at the time and like how many people were really infected. It, it's such a big delay. So they, they did, probably didn't know at that time that there was a 14-day lag on everyone who got infected mm-hmm. and how big the situation really was in the end. It was, it was really a shock to everybody. I was in Portugal on January 5th and first heard about this virus, this pneumonia. And that's why I decided to buy a couple masks from the shop in Portugal, like mm-hmm. maybe 50 masks that I bought or 25 masks. I, I just bought them randomly and just to keep them. And then later on, they came in really handy mm-hmm. after this all came out, you know, because right. there was no masks in Beijing. You could not buy a mask that was a proper surgical mask or N95. You would have to spend a lot more money, like four times the amount. Jeez. Well, I mean, but even just the concept of getting a mask when, when you start hearing about things happening, I mean, that comes from time spent in China, right? Like they're very, like, at least, you know, in the time that I was there, people are very conscious, you know, whether it's because of the pollution, the smog, right? Or whether it's, you know, if they have a cold or something, like they'll wear a mask to prevent other people from catching whatever they have. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, you spend a couple of years there, like you and I both have, um, you kind of become... I don't say I ever got used to it because I hate wearing masks. I like it drives me crazy. Um, but I'll do it when it's necessary. But even just knowing that that's kind of you know having spent that much time there, where you know you get used to that culture of people wearing things when you you know when whatever is not perfect, um, it's probably an easier decision or more natural decision even to make. Like when you're sitting there in Portugal and you're first hearing about this. Yeah, because you know you're getting on a flight for 15 hours to get back to China or go to the United States, um, I mean, you know that you're going to be exposing yourself mm-hmm. to more viruses. So, I mean, I didn't actually wear the mask on the flight from Portugal to United States, but from United States to Beijing, I did actually wear a mask for part of mm-hmm. the flight because I was just a little bit, you know, worried, paranoid, whatever you want to call it. In the end, it was, it was for good, for the better, for everyone's better. Yeah. I think I did I did actually have a little bit of a sore throat when I was leaving America to go to China. I had like a little sore throat. So I was wearing a mask. People were wearing masks actually on that flight because they mm. did hear about this pneumonia in Wuhan. And That's so crazy. that was the 14th of January. So you were you you were in China on January 14th. How long were you there before you before you came back to the States? Oh, I was in China until February 6th, but I didn't come back to the States on that flight. I went to Malaysia 
for about Sweet. 20 days. And then I was in Indonesia for almost a month. So I was outside of China because I just wanted to get out of China. I didn't yeah. know how bad it was going to get. By February 6th, when I was leaving, already you could only go to very select countries like Italy. You could go to Malaysia, Thailand. You could not go directly to Singapore. You'd have to wait in Thailand if you want to go to Indonesia or Australia. Like these two countries decided they need people out of China for 14 days before they'll accept them into Australia or Indonesia or Singapore. So you had to self-quarantine even that earlier? Uh, yeah, kind of self-quarantine. It wasn't a mandatory quarantine. It was a quarantine that I decided to do with myself because I don't want to be one of the people spreading this virus. So Absolutely. I'm very careful. I just yep. wanted to quarantine myself a bit. I still went out, but I wore a mask if I went out. And I stayed away from people like at least 10 feet away. I typically stayed. Uh, there were some little roads in Malaysia where you really couldn't stay 10 feet away, but I did my best to wear a mask and waited the 14 <clears throat> days until I took off the mask anytime I was outside. I want to get back to Malaysia and Indonesia because I love those countries, but I'm, I'm curious first, like, uh, you know, you were in Beijing for what, like three weeks, it sounds like. What was the overall, uh, like, feeling or vibe while you were there during that time? The feeling was like a ghost city, like an apocalypse, just kind of like it is now in America. Right. It was really interesting to go out and kind of film. I was also very careful when I went out. And Beijing was not a hard hit city at all. Only right. a couple hundred cases at that time. There was like 24 cases in Beijing when I first started filming. By the time I was leaving Beijing, there was uh, around 200 cases. So it grew really fast because the people from Wuhan left for Beijing and other provinces around. And luckily, they didn't go to Beijing that much. They mostly went to Hangzhou, Fujian, and also they went to like Shanghai area. Just those so, but like more yeah. nearby cities, right? So for those that don't know Chinese geography, um, Beijing to Shanghai is roughly the same distance of like, I want to say San Francisco to San Diego. No, it's it's a. Or is it further? Five hours. Five hours on a bullet train. Right. So, um, I mean, it's like a three-hour flight. Three-hour flight. I mean. Yeah. Well, so it could be more. Like, it could be like Boston to like Orlando. It's almost like that, but not yeah. quite. It's, yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe Boston to Virginia. Okay. Yeah. That's that's pretty much close enough i think anyways it's it's a fair it's a fair distance and those other cities like wuhan is it's fairly close to shanghai it's not uh, it's it's much further away than beijing is anyways um and then fujian is near the near the sea uh Hang, taiwan basically the city that um is on the sea with the straits of taiwan with taiwan on the other side um and then hangzhou is uh it's next to shanghai anyways right pretty yeah. close yeah um, so uh, very close to Shanghai, and then you've also got Suzhou, uh -huh. very close to Shanghai. All of Anhui is pretty close to Shanghai. Uh -huh. uh, that's really famous for the Yellow Mountain, uh -huh. Anhui province. And then, yep. there's, um, I don't know, there's just a lot of different places. Shanghai is actually a better place geographically because you've got a lot of interesting places around it. Beijing is great. It's an amazing city, but there's not many places to go if you're looking 
to go venture out to other cities and explore and see other places, honestly. Like Beijing, there's Hebei and there's Shenyang. And these places are really dry, cold, mm-hmm. really not places you would love to go to travel to. But yeah, all around Shanghai, you got really beautiful places to go, like Hangzhou, Suzhou. Suzhou is supposed to be the Venice of China. Mm-hmm. And Hangzhou is like this beautiful lake. And like everyone goes there for vacation. And then, yeah, Huanshan is the mountains. You've got that only a couple hours away from Shanghai. So, but yeah, you do have really beautiful places around Beijing and Huairo and some other places that have got some cool mountains, but just not as much. It's definitely different, but also like, I mean, I would even say like, at least for me, a, a possible reason why they might be traveling to those other cities more is because it's closer. You know, it's also got the natural beauty and, you know, Chinese people love getting outside. So I, you know, I'm in LA, right? One of the most populous cities in the country, if not the most populous. Um, I don't know my numbers, but, you know, it's notoriously bad with traffic. Yeah. Right now, traffic is starting to pick up a little bit, I think. It's starting to tick up. But for like the last month or so, it's been... So listeners, if you've never been to LA, if you've never heard about it, heard about the traffic situation, like people measure distance and time in LA versus miles because like it could take you an hour or more to go five to 10 miles, (laughs) right? Depending on the traffic. But these days you know, going five to 10 miles could take, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Like it's, it's nuts, dude. The roads are so empty, even though there's been a bit of an uptick. And that's really the way it should be because otherwise, I mean, this virus can spread so many different ways. And even when you're on a bicycle, someone breathing really heavily, driving right past you with a bicycle, if they're not wearing a mask, that, that breath of air, not even a cough, just a breath, Mm-hmm. Get in the air and blow in your direction and actually infect you. And maybe it'll be a small inoculation, but it will still infect you. It could be a really good thing to get inoculated with a very small part of this virus. If you get a big inoculation, a lot of people say that that's the people that go to the ER and have to get the breathing tubes in their in their throats and the ventilators and the PPT machines and all this stuff. They need to do all this stuff. So the best thing, I mean, I'm not saying get infected, but it's good, (laughs) better to get a smaller infection. That's why if you wear a mask, you can get a smaller inoculation into you. And if they're wearing a mask, it's also a smaller inoculation into you. So if everyone is wearing a mask, everyone is giving each other less dose of this virus. And if not, even just eliminating the virus completely. So that's Mm -hmm. why I think everybody should have been wearing masks many months ago or even just a facial protection type thing, even though though it may not be a CDC certified mask, a N95, a whatever surgical mask, even just a cloth uh, towel napkin. The, the best napkins they say are the blue napkins that are, they use to dry cars a lot of the time. The blue oh, napkins. yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard about this? The blue mm-hmm. napkins inside of your mask, like this is the best way to protect your like it blocks a lot of that air, the virus particles, the breathing particles. So yeah, there, there's actual studies been done on the best materials that 
we can actually get access to right now that blue fiber, what they wash cars with. It's kind what is of a cloth called. I'm going to look it up real quick. Hold it's on. disposable. I'm from Michigan originally, dude. It's a big car state. So I know, I know what you're talking about. Blue cloth for cars. What the fuck is it? It just says 50 pack blue shop towels. So shop towels. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Shop blue towels. Look at this one right here. Scott shop towels. Exactly. That's, that's exactly yeah. what they say. That's a 200 pack right there too. So that's a, 200 rat, 200 shop towels in a in a box. You can just line that in front of a t-shirt or something, right? Or your mask. However you make right. your mask. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone's going to make their mask differently, but if you put that in the area that's like right next to your face, you are blocking a lot of the particles very similar to a surgical mask. And the closer we can get to having that kind of surgical mask protection or N95 protection without that little tiny ventilator, the little plastic thing that mm-hmm. lets the air out mm-hmm. that's actually not what you want for this because it doesn't protect the people around you you don't want that little plastic thing the kind of little it's the vent ventilator you yeah the ventilator into, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. don't want that one there's n95s without that little plastic vent on the outside well the n90 so i've been doing some research on this as well because i you know i know some mask manufacturers in different parts of the world so i'm trying to do my part it's not that easy you know, it's kind of a shit show right now as far as all that's concerned. Um, but uh, I have learned quite a bit about masks over the last couple of weeks because of that. And from my understanding, the N95 just basically means that 95% of particles that are in the air that you would inhale are blocked. So you're only getting 5% of whatever that is. So, you know, whether that's a mask with a ventilator or without a ventilator, um, it's still the same amount of blockage. I don't know if it's called a ventilator. It's just that little plastic thing. That yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it's, it's not a, maybe, you're right. Maybe it's not a ventilator, but it's, uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's that plastic piece where it's like, it lets you breathe yeah. easier. Yeah. We use those things in Beijing when the smog is really bad because, you know, you want to breathe in a little bit easier, Yeah. but you also breathe out easier too with that little plastic thing there and so for smog and pollution that is the perfect mask so that's what we were using in beijing whenever it got to be very high pm 2.5 mm-hmm. if it was super high and it makes it so like you breathe out easier you can breathe out the particles that are coming from your mouth your lungs but unfortunately that's exactly what we don't want right uh, because then if you're infectious or you're contagious then it doesn't stop that spread. Yeah, and that's the whole point. We just yeah. want to cut this thing down and make the the R naught, which is the transmission level. So this one has got an R naught of one person is infected and it infects two to three people on average, no matter what we do. And if we really bring this down, we can bring that R naught down to below one, which will make this virus go extinct. But it's going to be very hard for that considering this virus is a airborne virus that all you have to do is breathe in a room for a certain amount of time and you're going to infect anyone that walks in the room well it's crazy how much information is coming about coming out about it you know like at first they were like don't at least the u.s government at first was like don't wear a mask it's not going to help then they changed their fucking mind and then they're saying oh it's you know three feet of distance, now six feet. And I read something the other day that said it can spread on the sole of your shoes up to 13 feet. Like, it's fucking crazy, dude. Like, nobody knows what's going on with this right now. The only thing we can do is, you know, try to be safe, you know, keep ourselves inside. And if we have to leave, you know, make sure you're wearing a mask and gloves and sanitizing and all that other shit. 
Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, and it's wash your groceries. I mean, depending on if you think they could have been touched multiple times by multiple people. I see lots of people touching the things inside without buying them. I mean, it's it's just habits that we do that yeah. we have to try to learn to break. It sucks, man. I miss human touch. I want a hug. <laughs> I want I want a hug more than like anything else right now. I'm just like, come close. Just, a virtual hug. just give me a no, I want a real, I want skin on skin contact. Yeah. I had a dream last night that I kissed a girl. <laughs> that was my dream. I was like, oh my God, it's crazy. Wow. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, man, I missed that. You yeah, know? you really don't know what you got until it's gone. Right. Like, the feeling of touch and you know you could just have the feeling of you don't care about hugs and cuddles because oh yeah you can be hard you can you can be hard all you want dude but you know you're just taking it for granted you know you get it you're just like maybe you know some dudes are like oh i'm so hard no don't touch me no get the fuck out of here man you know when you can't be touched that's when you want to be touched doesn't take a fucking Hard ass man to fucking turn that shit. I'm a hard man. I was a fucking 50 caliber machine gunning Marine active duty. And I just want a fucking hug, man. I want a hug. Yeah, I <laughs> know. Yeah, I know. I know what you feel right now. I mean, <laughs> the things that we go through, like when we're with the significant other mm-hmm. at the time and, you know, we've had too much of them and too much of that amazing special time with them. And, then go for a one month without them yep. or whatever. Then you've got literally, you, you could go for anything. Like you're just so desperate for affection. Thirsty. Dude, I was, uh, I was hanging out. Uh, I was, um, you know, so I'm, I'm, also, I'm managing a Chipotle right now in Beverly Hills. It's kind of my side hustle. Keep my finances stable while I work on my other stuff. And this old lady came in and actually the, the, so first of all, super fucking slow. We've lost like, 60 to 75 percent of our business um but secondly like the people that are coming in the last few days have been so like they just don't want to leave they just want to have a conversation you know yeah i think this like i think this like 60 70 year old lady was like flirting with me (laughs) and she's just like she's just like don't you think this is all overblown i'm like no i'm like we've got we've got to take care of people we got to stay in we got to keep the distance until everything She goes, I'm almost 70 years old. She's like, I don't care if this thing kills me. I'm like, you fucking, you can have like 30 more years of life. Are you kidding me? Like, come on. Especially in this day and age, like you can literally live to be 120. If you're 50 right now, you might live to be 120. They might come out with some machines that can just rejuvenate your cells. You never know. So the thing is, you know, I don't think the people like, Elon Musk or Bill Gates, they're not going to die early. They're going to be 120, 130, if not. Oh, they're going to be immortal, dude. They're going to live forever. Yep. They're going to find a way to like put their brain into like some sort of like robot contraption, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's going to fucking live forever. (laughs) Be progressive on the finding of helping them live for a longer time. I mean, maybe not Bill Gates, but I think Bill Gates. He might want to live forever. I mean, he's got enough money. Why not? Just one person. He, yeah. His mind, he's so smart. I mm-hmm. mean, he's a literal genius, but the, the fact that he was able to predict the pan- pandemic and talk about it in details back in 2015 mm-hmm. and talking about how everything would happen, 
how we are not prepared and how it would be a coronavirus from yep. a animal. He didn't say bat, but he said everything else was pretty much directly correct. And mm-hmm. yeah, this could have been from a bat or a pig or I guess a uh, one of those armadillo looking things. Pangolin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or whatever it's called. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to... I don't want to conspiracy theorize too much, but like from what I'm kind of gathering, like just my, my hunch based on the information that I've read over the last couple of months, it doesn't feel so much like it was a wet market thing. Yeah. It feels more like, you know, and those virus, the, the CDCs in Wuhan, the, the virus, the Wuhan virus lab or whatever it's called yeah. in Wuhan, they're both fairly close to each other and they're both, you know, 100, 200 yards away, something like that from the wet market that they blamed it on. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying it's a man-made thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were researching coronaviruses and bats and somehow it got out. Yeah. You know, and like like accidental or on purpose. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not playing that game. Like I'm not going to sit here and think like China did this on purpose to fucking like, bring the world to its knees and like take over. I'm also uh, saying that, you know, if it was an accident, they sure as hell are taking advantage. You know, I mean, it's, that's just my impression. I mean, you know, they, they suppress information like they always do. uh, And now suddenly they're, you know, they're trying to be the heroes and, you know, maybe change the world order, that kind of stuff. And send people to other countries to help out with this whole pandemic, which is good. That's a nice thing of them to do, but it's good. I think, yeah, I wish that we did take it more seriously back in the early times of January. And I guess it's just, it was really unforeseeable that it would come to this and how it could be 14 days dormant in your body and Mm -hmm. spread and get so infectious and so contagious with people that you come in contact with, even though you have no symptoms, it mm-hmm. still is going to be giving you all the people around you presence they don't want. Mm-hmm. It's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> I mean, three weeks ago, if, if you told me, Hey Robert, I got a present for you. Corona man. Three months ago, I'd be like, yeah, maybe I'm going to get a 12 pack of Corona yes, present. And now it's definitely not a good present to get. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I sit there, you know, I just think like, I remember in like December, I'm going, all right, 2020 is going to be the year. We've got a 2020 vision. This shit's going to be, this is the year. Everything's going to fucking rock. Everything's going to fucking change. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are over a quarter of the way in and the, <laughs> the entire year has been fucked. I'm just like, <laughs> I hear, like, I hear this thing goes away by April. Yeah, it's gonna be all better by April. We got 15, and we're gonna be down by zero by next week. It's, it's gonna, gonna be gonna zero be by next week. It's gonna be magical. It's gonna be as if this never happened. <laughs> yeah, right, dude. So LA, I don't know where, I don't know how San Diego is, but LA is like, oh, I guess California in general is shut down till May 15th for yeah. sure. But, uh, dude, I'll tell you what, based on, uh, did you hear the governor's um, press conference the other day? He's talking about the criteria to yeah. reopen. Yes, he's uh, saying that we have to wear masks. If you work in the restaurant, you got to wear a mask and maybe a face shield and gloves mm-hmm. and 
whole new procedures. Like we're not opening up in the way that we think we're opening up. We're no. going to be in a bio containment center everywhere. It's going to be a and safety zone. Yeah. Uh, but like exactly the- what we should be doing, how he's doing it is the safe way. And the safe way is the best way when it comes to this virus. We might even have to close off the border to our friends in Nevada and Oregon and whoever else is not taking this thing seriously right now because over in Ohio, those guys are rioting. And in Michigan Michigan too. No, like I'm from Michigan, dude. I watched these guys just the other day. They they did this whole fucking riot in their cars and then they all get out of their fucking cars and go to the state capitol. Like what better way, what better way to fucking kill yourselves protesting assholes? Like Jesus Christ. You know, it's like it's almost like now is the time for survival of the fittest. This is the Darwin Awards right now. This is how we're going to avoid idiocracy from happening. <laughs> yes. Idiocracy. All, all the dumbasses are going to die from protesting. <laughs> and it's not funny, but it's, it's not. Actually, but it's, what will happen just is the actually, irony. What will happen is actually <laughs> their grandparents will die, not them. Mm-hmm. They're going to be okay because their immune system's fine. They're going to be spreading this thing with their parents and their yeah. grandparents and whoever else has got a little autoimmune disease. So mm-hmm. what they're doing is really not fair to anyone. It's right. not them who's going to die. If I get corona tomorrow, I'm probably not going to die considering I'm drinking a smoothie every day with like, I don't know, kale, blueberries lemon peel, lemons, just so much good stuff in there. And then I'm taking my zinc, taking my D3, taking my vitamin C. These things are the corona killers. Nice. And, I mean, people are talking about like, you know, corona cures. There's no corona, corona cure. There's only making your immune system very high and very um, alert. Right. To make sure that you're always going to be killing that corona if you end up getting that corona. At least you're not going to be getting it in your lungs. You're going to be cutting it off at its source. So mm-hmm. yeah, the more zinc you got, the more vitamin D3, the more vitamin C. Uh, you get D3, D3 comes for free. It comes through the sun. So mm-hmm. you just sit in the sun, sunbathe for 15 minutes in LA. If you're in Washington, like Washington, the state, it's a bit more cloudy. So maybe you've got to sit out there for 30 or 40 minutes. Well, LA is a bit difficult too, though, because it's a densely populated city. It's a, you know, it's a concrete jungle. The beaches are closed. So the only place, the only people that have the luxury of sitting out in the sun is, you know, if you have like a rooftop in your apartment building or if you've got a yard, right? Um, But there's a lot of people, I mean, I have a yard, I guess, but there's a lot of people out there that don't and, you know, they can't exactly lay on the sidewalk. I mean, I guess they could, but you know, then you're exposing yourself to other people like walking around you or whatever, you know, like it's not ideal. Yeah, you're right. LA is definitely not the best place for this, but it's a lot better than New York City. For sure. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Mm-hmm. New York, if you have a back porch, you're pretty rich. So mm-hmm. that's good. I mean, there's, if you have a balcony in New York City, I mean, you pretty much got millions of dollars, I'm guessing, because it's not cheap to get like mm-hmm. a massive balcony and have a nice sized apartment. I think in New York, people are like typically sitting in their um, living rooms and they have a small window. That's the typical New York apartment. Yeah. No, I, I know. I, I lived in New York for like three years and uh, yeah, real estate comes at a premium. If you have a sure. nice balcony, like a decent balcony, you would actually want to sit out and hang out on and look at the sun. Like sun. And if the sun is even shining on you, that's good too. But like, yeah, that's going to be costing you like $4,000, $5,000, $7,000 per month, if not. 10,000. I don't know. Like right. it's a lot. 
if you've got the room, just one room in that apartment right. is probably quite a few thousand dollars. I don't know. Right. I just, I mean, I just think about my time in, in New York. I mean, I was there when I feel like I was uh, trained for this from my time in New York because I was there when Hurricane Sandy hit. So uh, where I was, I was actually in Hoboken. So just outside of Manhattan on the Jersey side. And we, you know, we lost power for like two weeks, I think, something like that. Uh, everything was shut down. Um, Red Cross was outside my building. The National Guard was in town. Uh, just people were, <laughs> people, people were um, taking inf- inflatable boats and like paddling down the streets because they, it was so flooded. And then even that was dangerous because you don't know if there's like a down power line or whatever, right? So like, most of us were stuck. We were confined to our homes for like two weeks. Um, I thought that was shitty, you know, and, and we didn't have power. Right. So like here, like this is like, you know, the whole world, it's been months, right. At least we have power. At least we have the ability to, you know, talk to each other from LA to San Diego or, or other parts of the world or wherever your families and friends may be from, you know, we have that ability uh, to see each other. But I mean, just imagine if like, if it was like a global hurricane, right. Where power was knocked out all over the globe, you know, for like a month. Like it's just fucking crazy. No, it's, it's really crazy. And, and uh, the fact is that when we go out and we get coronavirus, we may need some medical attention and we end up overwhelming our hospitals. And that is what really kills a lot of people because people need the hospital, not just for Corona, but for other normal procedures and people can't get their normal procedures done. Mm-hmm. And that is also what's killing people. People need their x-rays to make sure their cancer is not getting bigger, but they can't go to the hospitals now because corona is infesting the hospitals. So when people are saying, yeah, we're going to have church on Sunday and we're going to be having a blast with everybody and we people need to have Jesus Christ during this time or else everyone's going to be depressed and it's not going to be good. Okay. No, I mean, we need to all stay home and not go to our Baptist church in Louisiana or Florida or Ohio. Apparently. I mean, these places are all having their church service worship God. And that's really good, but we cannot be doing this at this time. It's just such backwards thinking. People are dying, not just from coronavirus. It's from cancer. Somebody died in my family today because they couldn't go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. They were more scared to go to the hospital and get coronavirus than to go to the hospital to get themselves um, fixed up. And someone died this morning in my family. My aunt yeah. died because she told me last week, I can't go to the hospital right now because if I go, I'm going to get corona and I'm going to infect the whole family. Yeah. My grandma died a week ago at 98, man. And she... um her kids were allowed to see her finally um, yeah. after, but they had to like pat, they had to get tested and all that other shit. Um, and then like the funeral, like nobody was allowed to go to it. A gathering of 10. So it was just basically her children and their, and their spouses. So like me and all of, she's got like 25 plus grandkids and even more great grandkids. She was 98, you know, and like none of us, None of us could even go to the funeral. Did you like, see it coming for months, or is it something that happened? Because I'm, no, I mean she was no, she was, it wasn't Corona related. She's old. She's 98. She's had dementia for like five to ten years. Um, she's lived in an assisted living home for like the last three years. So you know, we we knew it was coming, 
But then apparently like what had happened was she, I think she got pneumonia and the, but the doctors are like, no, we don't think it's Corona. Maybe it is. Maybe, you know, so I'm like, it what the fuck? Corona. Like yeah. maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Right. But like regardless, because of the, um, you know, the small gatherings order or whatever, like there couldn't be any more than 10 people there. And so it was her kids and her, and their spouses. Um, so it happened kind of fast, but it's just, it's just crazy for me to think like, you know, all of these people, not only the 30,000 people, what is it? What's the number right now? I think it's like 33,000 or something. Uh, like yeah. 30 something thousand people that died from coronavirus so oh, far. Over 30,000 deaths so far. I mean, if, if my, like if my grandma, for example, there's, there's other people that are dying for other reasons as well. And you can't have your last moments. No, you know? like it's, it's fucking crazy, dude. I, I think that last moments are overrated. I think that the best moments are weeks before your last moments. And sure. like me talking to my aunt last week is a lot better than talking to her right on her last moments. Talking to her last week, it was like, I wasn't even expecting her to pass away. I didn't know she was going to be so sick now. It was just one week ago I talked to her and she was fine. She was just talking about how they're not going out. They're being really careful. They're cleaning the groceries. Uh, my my cousin is in charge of the grocery shopping and cleaning them and making sure nothing is getting inside the house. But the fact is Pennsylvania is affected so much with the coronavirus. I think they've got more numbers now than California and Pennsylvania is a smaller state. It's, it's a big state, but it's a smaller state than California. Mm -hmm. So um, she's in, in Pennsylvania right now. And that is why she did not go get, her normal routine doctor to check her up and make sure that she's fine because of coronavirus. I mean, that's the real reason we are like ending lives early because of coronavirus. And that just goes back to that lady that I was talking to at the store. She said, Oh, I'm almost 70. It's okay. If it kills me, I'm like, it's not okay. Nuts. People are suddenly saying, yes, let's die. Yeah. And that, well, that too, of course. Anyways. Stay yeah. safe, people. I want to talk about something else. Yeah, let's talk about something nice. We've been talking. We've been hammering hard, pretty hard on the coronavirus stuff. Um, I want to talk about some some lighter stuff. I want to talk about some good memories. Like, I want to talk more about travels. Like, I want to share some travel stories, man. Like, yeah. You know, so, how long were you in China? Like, in total, because you were there I for mean, a while. Yeah, I've been living in Beijing for almost ten years. It's coming wow. up on ten years now so yeah it's actually a full on nine years but yeah t almost coming up on 10 years and i really love beijing as a city and coming there for vacation is also really fun that's how i originally fell in love with the place because you know going out clubbing you know you never know how your night is going to end it's the most exciting thing to go out and you just don't know what will happen when you expect it to be home by 11 or 10.30 at night, you're like, yeah, this is a quiet night. I got to work tomorrow, 7 in the morning, got to teach some classes, A, B, C, D for the little babies or something. When I first came to China, this is what I was doing. But um, yeah, you just decide you're going to be going out for a couple of drinks with your coworkers. And then you end up, you know, it's 7 in the morning and you are still out. And you're like, well, now I got to go to work. <laughs> Dude, I know. Like, I was there for less than four. I was about three and a half. But, uh, you know, when I, when I went to China, I had never been there. I'd never been to Beijing, never been anywhere in China. 
My Asia experience was limited to Japan at that time. So I didn't know what to expect. I didn't speak the language. I didn't know anybody. I just, I went because I was going to try to find my path, right? Find my passion or purpose or whatever. But one of the things that I found amazing was Chinese put such an importance on guanxi, which is, you know, it's a Chinese term that basically means relationships, right? And like, that's how they do business. That's how you like go places in the world, move up, whatever. A lot of building that guanxi is sitting around a plastic table and chairs outside of a restaurant, eating a shitload of food, uh, drinking beer, you know, smoking everybody else's cigarettes because, you know, they've all got regional cigarettes. Um, that's the reason I started back smoking, actually. I didn't smoke for nine years until I went to China. Um, now that's a habit I got to kick again. Um, but you got to play with them, right? You got you to gotta play, you know, and you're eating, yeah. drinking for hours, smoking cigarettes. Eventually the Baijiu comes out, the Chinese rice wine. Especially at those weddings, you know, you got a lot of Baijiu <laughs> with those grandmas that want to drink with you at the weddings. Like if it's an old grandma, of course you're going to drink with the old grandma. Like she only drinks every year and yeah. she's having a great day to that day. And you're going to tell her you're not going to drink with her. So yeah, you have to drink the Baijiu. I've never actually been to a Chinese wedding in China. How is that? Like when you first get to the wedding, everyone is a little bit awkward and not really feeling really that like friendly. And then right about after everyone does like the first three toasts, they start warming up to you. And as the only Lao Wai, the only foreigner there at the wedding, you're getting asked to drink with everyone. When I say Mm -hmm. everyone, I mean everyone. So you Mm got to tell them, oh, that alcohol is too high portion i need to get less yeah like basically give me a small shot because alcohol is too high and i'm gonna get super drunk (laughs) yeah and then those grandmas are saying no gone bay and like full glass and drink it all Mm -hmm. that's what the grandmas are doing to you and you're just like oh no this is this is not good. After about <laughs> 20 shots of Baijiu, 58% alcohol, right. you're feeling pretty ripped. You're having the Baijiu burps come on right about now. Yep. Baijiu sure. burps. I want to describe Baijiu first. Like, let me, so before you get into the Baijiu burps, let me describe what Baijiu looks, smells, and tastes like. Okay. So you can get Baijiu. Baijiu is the number one selling alcoholic drink in the world. Because it's the drink of China. It's like the national drink of China. You know, purely by mass. Everyone drinks it. 1.6 billion people. Most of them <laughs> drink it. Yep. You can get bottles of Baijiu from as cheap as $2 to like thousands of dollars. Right? Exactly. Um, the, the cheaper stuff, it, it all looks like water or vodka or whatever. It's clear, right? Uh, the cheaper stuff smells like paint thinner. And I think it might even taste like paint thinner too. Now that I think about it, like it's just, it's yeah. rough. It's rough. So there's a pineapple flavored Baijiu that's a little bit more easy to drink. It still tastes horrible, but the pineapple one, you know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. The one that's a pineapple flavored Baijiu. It actually well, it, it masks the taste a little bit. Yeah, that one is only around 35 to 40 percent alcohol, which is a lot more doable than the. Arguato Baijiu, which is the North Chinese style mm-hmm. Baijiu. The Arguato is like, that's the real stuff that puts hair on your chest. And it's literally like 
rocket fuel. Once That's you the warrior's sip, drink, yeah. It automatically just makes your throat hurt. And, you know, you already feel your liver working really hard after just one sip of that stuff. Uh, the next day, you just kind of, if you can remember what happened that night, you'll realize, yeah. If, that's a big if, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll realize you don't want to drink by Joe again. <laughs> For real. Until the next time they push you into doing it. Yeah, so normally, normally you're not going to get pushed into drinking crappy by Joe. Uh, you're going to get pushed into drinking the like $50 range of by Joe, maybe $30, $40, $50 range. So that's, the, that's by- a bit easier. It's a bit easier yeah. on the lungs and the stomach and the taste buds for sure. The, the by Joe that you're talking about though is the one that you get from the supermarket called yeah. Aguato. Mm-hmm. This is the Baijo that kills people's liver a lot faster than the other Baijo that they say is better. But yeah, they're all pretty bad for you. I mean, Arguoto directly translated means two fish head. <laughs> so, I mean, take that for what it is, right? <laughs> yeah, no. It's, so the best Baijo that you can get is in the southern province, made in like a, like a special old factory or whatever. It's it's called, um, oh, what's it called? Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> there's Arguato, and then there's the, uh, okay. No, I know, I know what you're talking about. I just can't think of what it is right now. It's, uh, 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 uh oh, shit. What the fuck uh, is it? Hold on. I've drank it so many times. I know. So Me too. It's, um, hold on. Uh, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it no, up. No, 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 no. I can remember. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking it up. I'm going to beat okay. you to it. Uh, the really good brand of Baijiu, which everybody drinks. It's made in Guizhou, I think. Guizhou. No. Motai. Maotai. It's called Maotai. Yeah, Maotai. So Maotai Baijiu is the one that they make you drink at the weddings typically. And there's a very expensive Maotai Baijiu. And then there's the cheaper one. And normally you're drinking the middle range one. that's like $50 or $60 a bottle. Yeah. Like there's... Maotai can cost around $1,000 if you get like a vintage bottle of Maotai or mm-hmm. even a lot more than that. It's, it's well, more expensive than the whiskey. Um, I don't know if you recall, but I, I had produced a, a English Premier League soccer event, uh, Manchester United versus Liverpool down in Melbourne. Then after that happened, I was working on putting out another event just like that in Huizhou, um, which is right next to Shenzhen. Uh, next to Hong Kong, like that area. Yeah, Guizhou. Guizhou. Hui, no, Hui with an H. Guizhou. Yeah, Guizhou. Wow. Yeah, Guizhou is like right next to Shenzhen. It's kind of a suburb of Shenzhen. Anyways, uh, I went down to visit this guy, this this investor guy, like four different times, and he he owns like a bunch of different hotels and a bunch of businesses and shit. Cheers. Cheers. Boom. Uh, and every time we went down there, he treated us to lunch in one of his hotels. So we had free Chinese food, but he also kept busting out this type of Baijiu. It came in a box and you had to open the box and out was a, it was a ceramic bottle with a seal that you had to crack. You had to like crack the seal to prove that it's real shit and it's not like bathtub Baijiu. You know, that's bad. No, but that's high quality shit though. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to crack the fucking ceramic seal on the top and then you can open it. Yeah. You got to, 
you got to make sure that's real because in China they got little factories. Just fake alcohol everywhere, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Blind. It's, yeah. it's like India and China both produce a lot of fake alcohol. Yep. Even beer can be faked. And it oh, dude, die, dude. Beer. I I can't even. I heard so much about Yanjing is like the Bud Light of China, basically. Um, but Actually, Qingdao is the well, Bud Light. Of China. Okay, so Yanjing maybe is like the Bush Light or something. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. you know, it's 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 not that great, but it's it's all over the place. It's cheap. Like you get these big like one liter bottles, basically. And I heard that there's so much um, counterfeit Yanjing that nobody even knows. The retailers don't even know what's real and what's not. So, like, there have been times, multiple times where I'd buy two bottles of Yanjing, right? And I'd take a sip of one, and I'd take a sip of the other one, one after the other, and they taste completely different. Yeah. Fucking nuts, dude. <laughs> but oh, so, well, well, like, they just don't produce the beer very well, like, it could be 3.3% to higher. That's what they say right. on the bottle. Like, so for Chinese alcohol, they don't measure the amount of alcohol. I think they just throw the stuff in there into the batch and then mm-hmm. they, whatever you get is what you get. You know, sometimes you can get a really good Yanjing and Qingdao. And then another beer could be so <laughs> bad and really awful tasting. You cannot even drink even two sips of it because it's just so nasty. Yeah, but Qingdao is a little bit more consistent though because Qingdao beer comes from the city of Qingdao, which was once a German, uh, I don't know if it was a German port or there, there was some German control there at some time. So Qingdao actually plays and acts a lot more like a German city than it does uh, a Chinese city. Yeah, Qingdao is a really nice city to visit in China and very touristy. And they do have some tourist ar- touristy architecture. It's Some of it is fake and some of it actually is real. Like the church, I guess, is real. Apparently, it is like from the early 1900s. It was yeah. around in like the Boxer Rebellion kind of era. So actually, Qingdao is made all throughout China. It's not just made in Qingdao. They make it all around. So it's not... Right. So it could be faked and it could also be made for real. It doesn't matter like which beer. It's better to drink the local beer when you're in China because mm-hmm. you know it's more likely to be really made there because it's cheaper if it's mm-hmm. locally produced. They don't have to import it. Like a lot of fake beers are uh, Qingdao actually because Qingdao is a more mm-hmm. desired brand. So if a factory is going to make a beer, they're going to make Qingdao. Mm-hmm. So you're actually worse off getting the Qingdao, if you're in a city that's in like, um, you know, Xinjiang or a city that's in Inner Mongolia or Dongbei, like Heilongjiang and these places, you're a lot better off getting the local beer mm-hmm. over the Qingdao beer because Qingdao could be made by the factory because Qingdao is a brand that they really like to capitalize on these, these fake beer makers. And the beer could be fine. You could drink fake beer and you'd be fine. But, you know, one out of 100 batches or one out of 1,000 batches are going to be the beer that has got a little bit too much formaldehyde mm-hmm. that ends up killing some people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's been foreigners that have gone to these countryside places in China that drink the Qingdao and they just have the worst hangover after just drinking five or six Qingdaos. It's even the same being in a place like Beijing. Like you go to the, like, there's huge clubs in Beijing. Right. And they're all right around the, the soccer stadium. They're all like right, literally right around the soccer stadium. And they offer free alcohol, free liquor to, to foreigners. 
And nine times out of 10, it's, that's fake shit. And you wake up with the worst hangover ever. Yeah, uh, that's not a good idea to get the alcohol from them. You can get one. Don't drink drink. the free booze. (laughs) It's free for a reason. Yeah. You could, you could get one or two drinks, but you will feel it in the morning, but don't Mm -hmm. be drinking that one all night. You will feel it for two or three days. So like, I would say that, yeah, two drinks from the free place. It could be okay. If you're just drinking the rum, the Bacardi is Maybe not it's fake, fake is no, what some fake. of the promoters have said. Like the party, <laughs> they said maybe not. Fake, we don't know. <laughs> it's if it's fake, if the Picardi is fake, that's okay. Yeah. Um, it's made with sugar and it's not the same as whiskey where they gotta like get that concoction made mm-hmm. just right, the chemicals. Mm-hmm. Bacardi is just you know, sugar and it's rum. I mean, rum is just a lot more easy to make and not mess up than having fake whiskey. And yeah. I can understand they want to make their fake whiskey. But, you know, actually, there's one club I went to that has got a really good blueberry-flavored whiskey that is one that doesn't give me a hangover, and it's free. Where at? So there's a club called... Um, oh, wait, what's it called? Okay, um, it's been a while since I've been there. <clears throat> Elements? Gonti. Gonti. Seamer, so going to Westgate. Yeah, and it, no, that's where most of the clubs are. So I'm thinking like, like Elements, it's, Circle. Not, uh, it's not Circle. It's next to Circle though. It's the newest one, like very oh, new. I, I guess I don't, um, I don't know that one. You probably have been there before. I've been away right? for two years though, dude. So I mean, it's if, been around for two years. It's been there for okay. two years. So, okay. uh, anyways, sorry that I can't remember the name, but uh, no worries. Uh, it's the same place that Live used to be. You know, the it's called Live. I think mm-hmm. they remodeled it and turned it into a new place. Mm. And so Live was the biggest club in Beijing for that short amount of time. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. who has the biggest club is the best. Right. So yeah, Live Bar, Live Bar was massive. And mm. now that they reopened it again, rebranded it, I guess a new owner or something. And yeah, they... Uh, it's called something else. And that is the place where foreigners can actually get a free drink and have a whiskey that's blueberry flavored whiskey. It's a bottle that's made, I think in Taiwan or China, it's a Chinese whiskey or Taiwanese whiskey. It's really good though. Mm. Uh, anyways, it's a really off topic thing. It's pretty silly to talk about a blueberry whiskey in one club in Beijing, <laughs> but it's okay. Very well, niche market right there. Exactly. Right? But I mean, if you can get, if you can get 1% of the population in China, you're fucking made, right? Like that's what people yeah. always say, but yeah. no. So, so we went off on this little tangent, but I'm sitting here thinking like the, like the whole thing about that was like this guy, uh, treated us to, you know, lunch and by geo, they had to crack with a ceramic, like a little, the top was ceramic and he had to crack it with a hammer kind of thing. And he would go around from person to person like we had a table of like, you know, it's a big round table, right? With a lazy Susan kind of thing in the middle, like you so often see in China, right? So you can move the food around. There's probably like 10 people at the table and he's just going from person to person to person, just like shot. And but like before we do the shot, he would say a little something nice. Like, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. You know, you're a vital part of this thing, blah, blah, blah. Shot. All right. Next person. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. You're part of this thing. Blah, 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 blah. Shot. Boom, 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 boom. Then he wow. makes his rounds. And then the next person, like the person who was right, starts making his rounds. And then the person after that makes their rounds. And then it's just a whole fucking circle. So, like, you know, you get 
every single person is just getting fucked, you know? And it's, and it's one of those, it's one of those things that I've experienced in China at least. I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way. Maybe not, but like in China, in America, it's like, if you're the guy that gets too drunk, you're that guy, right? Yeah. That nobody wants to be in China. If you get really fucking drunk, that's like a badge of honor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like they respect you for no no, but they respect you for it. They respect you for it. They want to keep you around. They can trust you more when you yes. can get drunk with them and like hang and not yeah. give away cigarettes. Like they're yes. going to the uh the whorehouse mm-hmm. and they go do their things at the whorehouse and everyone's gonna keep their secrets, even though everyone's got a family at home. It's it's kind of a trustworthy thing. It's just in general, this is a lot of Asian culture, like Japanese and Chinese mm-hmm. and Thai and whatever, Korean and whatever. Well, you know, it's, I mean, I even think of it like this, like growing up, I've got two brothers, right? Growing up, if, if me and my brothers did something naughty or bad together, then we had that on each other. And so if yeah. one of them tried to tell on the other one, like, oh, well, I can do this too, or I can do that, you know, like fuck off don't say a word because i can do i can tell on you about that yeah you remember that time <laughs> you know like it's kind of like that i think you know exactly like yeah. i got one finger pointing at you but three fingers are pointing right back at me and exactly we're all, we're all fine because we're all gonna be <laughs> in trouble if we give away any secrets you exactly. know they can trust them when they got secrets from them you got dirt on each other you know you can move forward Exactly. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, some of these. I love Southeast Asia. I want to just oh, talk yeah. about that. Oh, I yeah. love, dude. I've been looking like the last week. I've been looking at like cost of living in places because I'm just like, <clears throat> once this shit all blows over, I'm just gonna fucking move to a fucking island in Southeast Asia. But you know, so I'm like looking at different spots or whatever. But like, you know, you've been you've spent significant time in Southeast Asia. Yeah. You've made some videos um, about like Myanmar and Malaysia and other places, Vietnam, I'm sure. Um, I'm just kind of interested in like, yes, you know, where, where have you been? And like, tell me your kind of impressions of each of these places, because this is, it's fantasy time since we can't go anywhere. Let's fantasize about these places. Yeah. I mean, so to break it down, you got Southeast Asia, which is probably one of the most diverse places in the world for having like so much cool great food that's original that's unique um the epicenter is thailand like bangkok is the melting pot of thailand so yeah bangkok is great for the food Mm -hmm. and then you got cambodia which is also a cool place to go at least quite a few years ago it was a really awesome place to go it's changed a lot so i can't say that it still is the amazing experience that it used to be Mm -hmm. But yeah, Vietnam is still amazing. Uh, it's probably the second best food in all of Southeast Asia. Just the yeah. amazing, absolute gourmet French food and Asian food mixed yep. together in a melting yep. pot. So don't get me started on Southeast Asia. I really love I am place. getting you started on Southeast Asia. Let me ask you about Cambodia. I've been to Cambodia. Okay. I spent since you went there five years ago. Five years ago. No, five years ago, I spent uh, eight days in Cambodia. 
I love Cambodia five years ago. Well, let me, well, let me, well, let me tell you. I, um, I spent four days in Siem Reap, where Angkor is, Angkor Wat, whatever. That's a right? lot of time. Yeah, Angkor Wat's that's a great the, place. That's about as much time as you want to spend in Siem Reap. I started it's running got, out of shit to do. Yeah, it's got some fun, like, bars and stuff, some pubs. Yeah, Bar Street. Yeah, 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 sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got plenty more to talk about when I put out my story, which I'm working on, um, about that stuff. But like Phnom Penh, the capital city, that was, I spent four days there as well. And that was a completely different experience for me, man. It's a little bit dangerous there, but like if you just watch your back, kind of like South America, oh. you're going to be fine. Well, like the, the, the minute I fucking landed, dude, like I was taking a tuk-tuk from the airport to uh, my hostel and uh, I just felt like everybody was looking at me like they're either, they're either hungry or they're plotting something, yeah. you know? And sure enough, my phone got jacked in Phnom Penh. Like, I, you know, I'd already been through Southeast Asia for like two months. And then Phnom Penh, of all places, my phone got jacked. Yeah, no, it's definitely like the South America of Southeast Asia. It's mm-hmm. a little bit wild west over there. I don't know another place that's got so much stuff going on as far as crime goes. Out of all of... Southeast Asia. I mean, there's some pockets in the Philippines that could be not so good, honestly. And, yeah, and, but uh, even Vietnam could be bad in some areas. You know, yeah, in some cities and Thailand too, and you know, everywhere's got some pockets. But you know, but Cam- Cambodia, Cambodia is uh, unique though, and here's why. Like, if you understand the history of Cambodia, right? Like in the late '70s of the Khmer Rouge, when Pol Pot took over and said, "We're declaring this year zero and they committed genocide on their own people, you know, killing, they were killing everyone that was educated, plus their parents, you know, their grandparents, grandparents, whatever, plus their children and all that shit. Um, to, to quote Pol Pot, it was something like completely killing the tree from branch to root, right? They eliminated an entire, uh, multiple generations of educated people, you know? So like, I feel for Cambodia. I love Siem Reap. I want to go back to Cambodia and hope that it's getting better. And they they have been getting a lot better over the last five, 10 years from my understanding. Um, but there's a whole generation from like 79 to like the late nineties, basically that it was a country of just uneducated people. And so when you, I mean, when you have some of that, sometimes the crime can be a little bit higher because people are struggling for food. They're struggling for their way of life. You know, they're, they're struggling to, they're struggling. Everyone's str- the entire country is struggling together in this communistic uh, utopia. Facts are the facts, right? I was just going to talk about these days, Cambodia is changing and it's not in a good way. So, Siem Reap is okay. You know, Siem Reap is almost the same as it always was. It's mm-hmm. got more Chinese tourists, which is really good. I, I like Chinese tourists bring a lot of cash and a lot of things coming into the economy. So, it's really good. And the people in Siem Reap speak amazing English. Their English is almost like the level of like Friends, you know, yeah, the Friends TV good. show. Mm-hmm. You know, Friends TV show. They all grew up watching Friends, so they can all sing you the Friends theme song. If mm-hmm. everyone is it's like you're back in second gear. Okay, okay. There hasn't um, been your day, your week, your month. Or even your year, because I'll be there for you. 
Yeah. That's this year for sure. It's not been our year. It's it not has been not been our day, year. our week, or our month, or even our year. God damn it. Friends needs a comeback. I'm calling for it. Yeah, there should be <laughs> one Friends episode. So anyways, Laos and Cambodia and some places in Vietnam that got into tourism, they all grew up watching Friends and they they learn English from watching Friends. Honestly, it's the best well, English no. class. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. My best friend in Beijing, he's a very successful dude. Uh, shout out to Aaron, Kai Sun. Um, he learned his name. He speaks excellent English. Excellent. He learned his English by watching Friends. Yeah. Exactly. He's embarrassed to admit it, but he's told me. And, dude, his English is phenomenal. And it's because he watched Friends all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as boring Friends is now to us, like, now we've got all these other new shows that... Oh, we've also seen it, like, five, six times, 20 times, whatever. You know, it's, like, it's old news for us, right? But it's... Yeah, but yeah. Rachel Ross breaking up and all the drama and, you know, season nine, season ten, you know. Right. It went on for over ten years. That's it. It was such an amazing show. And, you know, it taught so many people English in the tourism industry in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. All they did was, uh, they didn't go to school. They just watched Friends. And that was mm-hmm. their life. I mean, mm-hmm. imagine that. Yeah. So, yeah, those people in Laos that speak really good English and Cambodians. I don't know anything about Laos, dude. I don't know anything about Laos. Yeah, you they, me. They both... They both love Friends the same. Like any place you go, they're mm. watching Friends. At least five years ago, they were all watching Friends. Maybe sure. not now. Maybe they're watching Big Bang Theory now. But you broke girls. <laughs> That's back, big in Asia. It's big back in, Asia. in those days, like five or six years ago, mm. uh, they really that was their thing was watching Friends yep. and learning English as they were growing up. And anyways, yeah. It's just a fun time in Southeast Asia. I love Cambodia, but it's got its problems. I think that, you know, CU Nukeville, which is the southern mm-hmm. the southern area that's mm-hmm. got the beaches, mm-hmm. that area has been transformed into casinos that are made by the really? Chinese. And it's just changed so much. I was there just five years ago, and it was amazing. It was such a paradise for any traveler. Yeah. Just wanted to go to the beach, but also hang out at some bars on the beach and, you know, go to some islands and you could stay on the island. I mean, I got bit by a spider right here on the island. And then uh, three days later, it turned into this a big massive oh, arm infection. And I had to go back to the mainland in Cambodia. I met this doctor. He was actually from China. Very nice. He's from Hunan. And I was speaking to him in Chinese. Mm-hmm. I said, I said to him, I'm a foreigner. I don't have too much money. I lived in China for many years, and I also teach kids English. And that's why I make a very cheap price on my arm, which was like double the size of the time, like literally all red. And it was a massive Jesus. infection. Like the guy poked a hole in it and pulled the pus out. Oh, God. And like literally... It should have been like a three hundred dollar, four hundred dollar thing, even in Cambodia. Maybe, maybe just two hundred dollar thing. In the end, I told him I got only thirty dollars to spend or whatever. And when I got up to the front desk, it was only thirty dollars. Like the guy gave me such an amazing deal wow. because he was just nice, and I was nice to him. But I spoke some Chinese, 
And he's from Hunan, which mm-hmm. I love Hunan. It's a great place. Hunan's awesome. Uh, and yeah, like he he just got all that infection out of my body and then he gave me some antibiotics. So wow. in the end, yeah, like normally a doctor would be like, well, I can't do the bargaining. I can't bargain on this. Like it's this price. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it depends. If you're in America, they're going to still charge you. They're going to send you that bill over years and you're going to yeah. get in trouble if you don't pay that eventually. But luckily this guy was just so nice and he ended up just charging me $30. I'm sure everyone else in that place, which I also was translating for him. So there was a Cambodian guy that spoke only Chinese that worked at the hospital. There was a Cambodian lady that only spoke English in Khmer. Hmm. So Khmer is the language of Cambodia, which you know. Mm-hmm. Khmer and then the Chinese guy spoke only Chinese, literally. So I could speak Chinese and speak English very well. So I actually hung out at that hospital for many hours because they were giving me an IEV of antibiotics because I needed that. It was really a serious infection. And I was hanging out and I was watching them do their translation because that day the Russian doctor was not in the building. Mm-hmm. It was just the Chinese doctor, only one Chinese doctor. And then the Khmer guy that speaks Chinese and Khmer. And then there was a lady that speaks Khmer and English. And mm. so the Chinese guy is playing telephone with the Khmer guy that speaks Chinese and no English. He just speaks Khmer and Chinese. And he's an old guy. And the reason why he speaks Chinese is because he's from that time period where they were learning Chinese very well in the Pol Pot era. He's like 50 or 60 years old, mm. that, that translation guy. And that's his job is to translate for the doctor to Khmer and then Khmer to English is from that lady. So this is a really complicated telephone game of, of languages. So imagine, go from Chinese to Khmer, Khmer to English, and then someone who doesn't speak English as a first language to translate to another foreigner that's not even, uh, their main language is not English. All these different translations. And then this guy is Dutch. So his, his language is English and Dutch, so let's say. So yeah, she, it's just a big telephone game. So I was able to bypass. While I was in there getting my IV done, I was able to translate for the Chinese doctor and get it straight to the, the guy that's going to be, um, you know, getting that operation done. You know, I, I was watching this whole mess go on. And it was very hard. Because the girl that spoke Khmer to English was not that good at English or just the translation was not making sense. So I was able to come in and actually be the translator for that day. Hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why they gave me a little bit more of a break on the discount because I could speak some Chinese. So they liked having me around. So How is your Chinese level right now? Just out of curiosity. Definitely a lot better than it was five years ago when I did <laughs> do that yeah. translation type thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not the best, but it's not bad. I mean, it's, it's always getting better when I'm in China mm-hmm. and when I'm out of China. It's Haibotuo. You know, Haibotuo means, of course, you know, your Chinese is good. I mean, you know, I, I, dude, everything I learned, I learned on the streets. Exactly. <laughs> I learned on the streets too. I think that's the only way. I learned on the street. I got the streets Chinese, man. I'm, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a hood-ass Chinese language speaker. <laughs> I love that. 
Anyways, I hope that you like that that story of That's the cool crazy, story. The no, crazy uh, translation scenario that literally well, well, what's doesn't inter- happen that much. So what's interesting to me is you've got this fat-ass album from who knows what the fuck. Yeah. you got four different people that speak one or two languages, kind of. And you're kind of like the linchpin to make it all happen. Like yep. that's that's fucking crazy, dude. Like I I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, it can happen, man. Uh, I think it was a centipede. The doctor was saying that it was a centipede, possibly. Like you can sleep in the place, and you know you're laying down, and it's inside the sheets. You know the spider or centipede or whatever it mm-hmm. is. But it, I think it could have been a centipede. It was oh, massive. Crazy. It was huge. I remember my first night in Malaysia. I went to Malacca uh, because my roommate, my roommate in college, my freshman year of college, was from Malacca, Malaysia. And so I, when I was backpacking, I visited him, and uh, he showed me around a little bit. And the first night, I woke up the next morning, and my eye, like I had like this thing on my eye, was just like bubbling out, right? And I, and I'm looking at him, I'm going, dude, what the fuck? What am I doing, man? Like. What is this? Like, it's crazy. And this guy goes, oh, he's like, I know that. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go to the pharmacy. I'll be right back. And he gives me this fucking drop shit. I had no idea what it was. I'm like, what the fuck are you giving me? Like, this is one of, you know, I hadn't, I wasn't an experienced, a very experienced international traveler at that point. You know, I'd been to a few countries, but nothing too crazy. And uh, he's like, no, just take the drops. And I go, okay, that's fine. I'll do it. And I had still to this day, I have no idea what it was, but whatever the fucking drops were, that shit worked, man. It was crazy. Worked really like, well. But like it made my eyelid like, a, it was like, like fucking just blew right out like wow. a balloon. Yeah, it's crazy. Was it from an insect or from something else? I don't know. I'll never know. I'll never know. I wanted to go to Milwaukee so bad, actually. I really, uh, I've only been to like Kuala Lumpur. Penang, and uh, I think that's all I've been to. Really. I've been to Malacca and KL. KL's cool. Malacca's cool. I'd like to check out some more spots in Malaysia, but I haven't I've been, yet. I've been to Langkawi, too. Langkawi's cool. You've been uh, there? No, no, no. But I've heard from a lot of people, a lot of people that I've met and stuff, they're like, oh, you have to go to Langkawi. It's like that little island just at the border of Malaysia and Thailand, island, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like right and, there. And it's also kind of a, yeah, it's kind of like the Hawaii of Southeast, Southeast Asia, Asia yeah. is how mm-hmm. a lot of people put it. But after going there, I think I agree with that. It's like yeah. the Hawaii of Southeast nice. Asia. Yeah. Nice. Hey, man, it's been so great talking to you. Uh, we've, we've had, we've talked about a lot of different shit, you know, Corona, travel and all this other stuff. Um, hopefully uh, some of these listeners have gotten some stuff out of this. Um, but I think we're at a pretty good point to stop right now to, to end this, to wrap it up. Um, anything you want to plug real quick? I hope that everyone stays safe here during this Corona time and, uh, do check out my channel, Lost Expat. And, you know, I talk about lots of healthy things you can have to fight coronavirus, plus a lot of travel tips. And I mostly travel when it's not Corona time. It's a special time right now where I, I feel like it's an emergency and I mm. need to educate people as much as I can to be alert and do the right thing for your family and friends. And that is not just to stay home, but the things that you can do after we open up our country again 
which is, you know, promoting to wear a mask and, you know, keep your vitamins up high and keep your health up high to make sure that you are keeping your immune system in a good place to combat COVID-19 if you end up getting it, which could happen to anybody at this point. Right. And in case anybody's looking for an outlet, get away from this whole thing for a minute. What is your, I mean, you said lost expat, but how do you spell it? Like what's the, what's the YouTube channel ex- exactly? Is it yeah, E-X? Uh, L-O-S-T-X-P-A-T. Got it. So with no E. So L-O-S-T-X-P-A-T without the E. There's mm-hmm. no E there. Uh, but you can also find it if you put the E on accident, just type in lost expat. I, I put many different playlists around mm-hmm. in YouTube. So you can find it no matter what you type. Uh, but yeah, L-O-S-T-X-P-A-T is how you find my channel the main way. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be opening up a lot of other channels and just trying to focus on other content that is going to be maximizing everyone's life, hopefully. Right on, man. Well, I uh, hope you're staying safe. I uh, hope your your family continues to stay safe. Same, same with everyone else out there. Appreciate the time we've spent together. And you know it's going to happen again. Bert Diggs, everyone. You've been listening to Half the City with Brian Shinborn. Presented by AB Media. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends, and leave a solid five-star review to ensure these stories get spread far and wide. For more information, as well as to listen to other shows, including Relentless, a survivor's search for passion, purpose, and inner peace, and beyond Relentless, be sure to check out 8bmedia.com. Thank you for listening.